Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Side by Side Dirt. It's your host, that's me, it's Sheldon. Well everybody, as you know, we always do a recap. Let's get to the recap, episode 16, King of the Hammers, KOH style. 2019 we got to sit down with my co-host Jason about what it was like going to the UTV races in the King of the Hammers we also got to sit down with Jason and let us know his wife's story of what it was like to drive the Can-Am X3 versus the Polaris Velocity we also got to sit down with Jason and talk to him a little bit about suspension models just a whole different realm of things Well, everybody, as you know, I'm always super excited to do an episode of Side by Side Dirt, but this one I'm especially excited to tell you guys about. It's only taken me 17 episodes to get this guy on the line. Well, everybody, I classify this guy as one of the godfathers of the UTV industry and the side by side industry. So everybody, let's get episode 17 off with a bang, starting now. Welcome to another episode of Side by Side Dirt. It's your host, that's me, it's Sheldon. Well, everybody, we've got what I call one of the godfathers of the UTV industry on the line. Everybody, I'd like to welcome Tim from SDR. How's it going, everybody? I don't know about that whole godfather thing. That makes me seem kind of menacing, right? But uh, <laughs> we've definitely uh, we've definitely been around for a little while and uh, done some cool stuff. So I appreciate the opportunity to come on the show and talk with you. Absolutely. Well, Tim, from what I've known, you've been in the ATV industry for well over, what, 10 years or so? Sorry, sorry about that. That's all good. Um, we started out, uh, I actually started in the UTV industry in 2000, 2005, 2006. Um, and, um, we, you know, we started out doing rhinos like everybody else. Um, we were doing, I was doing a lot of automotive aftermarket stuff at the time and, um, me and a business partner that I had at the time, you know, kind of decided to split different and go our own way. Um, so we started SDR Motorsports in 2008 and, um, haven't looked back since. Well, I remember back in 2008 when you were building, uh, the Yamaha Rhinos. I remember when you were converting them from two seaters into four seaters and building cages and then you're bleed, you were also building deleted boxes like it was that was a lot of cool stuff like that's why I classify you as one of the godfathers especially in the UTV industry because you started back in the day with with the rhinos and uh, a lot of companies to yeah. this day started out with the razors where you were going back to when side by sides began like you're right yeah, no, it, you know, it's it's funny because when, you know, I've been going to Glamis and going to the sand dunes and the desert, stuff like that, off-roading uh, my whole life. I grew up I grew up in San Diego. Um, you know, we used to go out to a place called Palm Avenue when I was, you know, five years old and ride our three-wheelers around. So I've been into, the, into the, that scene, if you will, you know, my whole life. I'm 48 now. Um, but when I first saw the rhinos, it was actually kind of like a 
what is this? You know, we were we were actually out of Glamis. There were a couple of guys that had these green four-wheel golf cart looking things. Uh, and they were just ripping around this little this little track that they had dialed in. And I was on my dirt bike. And we pulled up and started talking to him. And the guy's like, dude, you have to go for a ride in this thing. I hopped in the passenger seat. The guy scared the living daylights out of me for the next couple of minutes. <laughs> dropped me off i got out of it and just kind of looked at it like dude that thing's pretty cool and then never really thought about it again and then it was about six months later that um, a buddy of mine called me up and he says hey i got a rhino i'm gonna bring it over we're gonna build a cage for it and um, that's kind of what started the whole thing yeah so what so, so uh, when you started sdr um you guys basically were just into the rhino things and eventually the the kawasaki terex came into play later in the future too right yeah well when we when we first started sdr the terex was just coming out yeah um you know that yamaha had just released the 700 uh fuel injected model uh the terex was kind of you know everybody knew it was coming but we hadn't seen one yeah. yet um and the razor had just been inter- introduced it was the old 800 razor so there was a lot going on but the rhino at least here on the west coast was still by far the most popular one to modify yep. um, and and my thing our thing always has been we just kind of want to do things a little bit different um, approach it different look at things different um, so what on the rhinos you know obviously one of the challenges with them is that they were way underpowered um, people were doing stuff in them that just really wasn't even safe um, so that's where the whole bed delete you know cage came from which at the time was kind of our you know our big breakout product that we did a lot of um kind of put our kind of put us on the map if you will where we would get rid of the bed and instead of bolting the rear seat into the bed we were actually bolting it in you know with the cage and the structure and everything which just made a safer way to go plus we could get the seat a little lower we could move it back a little farther you know a lot of things that we could do with it that you couldn't do when you're just bolting it into the bed well and that, that's a lot of that's why i i brought side by side dirt was because there's a history to the utv industry in, in a whole different realm and I, I don't think a lot of people understand the where you guys have started to where you guys are now and i that's why i wanted my listeners and, and viewers to understand that there's quite a history especially to the side-by-side industry and a lot of people to this day think that razor started it and stuff but i argue about that because it was rhino for me it wasn't until i purchased a, a razor 800 s the wide model is kind of when i felt and things really started to take off in a lot of ways yeah. right but you've also worked with with sure. top names like joey d from utv underground i were you were definitely part of that were you part of like where did joey d come into the whole aspect of of the realm of i guess of that too well you know joey was around from day one um you know he built a car not with us at sdr but with magnum off-road down yep. in san diego called the fat yep. rod um which at the time was really i mean it was an evolutionary car for sure they dropped the seats way down it was kind of a mix between you know a race build yep. um, that was real popular back then where you're dropping the front seats down widening everything out um but it still had a back seat in it for um uh, you know for skips yeah. and um you know had an escape hatch out of the roof i mean it was a really cool build um 
so that's how I got to know Joey was you know obviously I had a lot of respect for that car that was right around the same time that he started doing UTV Underground um, and we had talked you know Joey you know Joey was into you know custom cars before he was into uh, UTVs and stuff so you know we kind of had you know a, a similar background yeah um, and we actually got the opportunity to build the first car with him um, uh, it was uh uh, it was a hundred jagged X model razor. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a cool car. Um, we, we, uh, you know, we tried to do again, you know, something a little bit different with it. Um, give it that real fastback, you know, kind of profile going back to the rhinos, which, you know, which again is where it really started. What a lot of people probably don't know is that it was mostly, you know, it was mostly guys coming from the sand cars, um, they were looking for something that was a little easier to go, you know, up and down to the store, kind of cruise around. It wasn't really necessarily like what you see today. Um, it was more of kind of, you know, instead of a quad, I'm going to get my wife one of these um, on the recreational side. And um, so a lot of that early innovation that we saw was, you know, um, really customer driven. I mean, we get all the credit, right? But it was really customer driven where, you know, guys were like, Hey, I, I, this is my problem, right? This is what I'm trying to do. And then it would be up to us as the builder to kind of figure out a solution to get them what they were looking for. Yeah. And that led to, that led to a lot of those, you know, really cool builds and innovative, different stuff, uh, you know, in, in the beginning. Well, and that's what, you know, and that, that's, that's the power of the internet because it, it allowed your reach to go outside of Southern California. Um, I still to this day feel that Southern California has always been the godfather of the off-road, definitely in the off-road industry. And it's always, I felt, a leading example of what we see today. I know, um, Tim, when I met you in 2014 at my first sand show I've ever been in my entire life, I remember the car that you built was the XP1000. Um, was right. called Christina and that was right. handmade aluminum body like it was <laughs> right. it, it right. still wows me to this day because I felt like you changed the industry in a whole different way than what everybody was expecting I, I think and right. and it must be hard for you every year everybody's expecting you to go to that next level that next notch and it's crazy to watch how you keep going that next level every year yeah, you know, that progression is hard. But uh, again, like I said before, you know, all of those things are customer driven. You know, like that particular car, um, I was actually speaking with a customer of mine from Qatar um, and um, a really cool guy in Qatar. And he wanted to buy uh, the car that we had just built called Betsy. Yeah. And um, I had already sold it. I actually sold it to a guy in China. Yeah. And, um, so that car was already gone. He says, well, you know, if you were going to build another car, what would you want to do? And I said, well, you know, I got, I got some ideas of some stuff that I would want to do. Um, so if not for him and, and not for him wanting, you know, or giving us the opportunity really to push that envelope, we may never have built a car like that. And, um, you know, so it, and it, and it was fun. I mean, that was probably the first car where a customer had really kind of just given us carte blanche, like, Hey, just do your thing, do what you do. And, um, uh, and, 
I can't wait to see what you come up with. So it was uh, it was a fun build, and it definitely uh, it definitely turned some heads when we brought it out. Absolutely. So Tim, do you think 2014 was about the time when SDR really started to to really hit the innovation of the industry and start to be on top, or do you think it was prior years? Um, you know, I think that for I think that for SDR, it was it was before that. Yeah. It was really probably, if I were to look at really kind of a turning point for our business, uh, it was when the 900 four seater came out. Yeah. Um, and a little story that I'll tell you um, that not a lot of people know is that we had actually we we were building a car um, for for Amber Lewin, right? Um, she's a great customer. Uh, local here in Southern California. Everybody knows her by her pink poodle. Yeah. But um, we were building a two-seater for her, and she wanted to stretch it to a four-seater. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, TMW had done a couple of those cars. Um, it was the first one we had done, but we actually had the car done, and she wasn't interested in anyone sitting in the back seat other than her pink poodle. Yeah. So what what we did is instead of raising the back seats up, we left the back seats down low yeah um because it's actually you know the the you know on, on a two-seater the front seats now become the back seats right so by leaving the back seats you know about four inches lower it allowed us to bring that roof line down with a real aggressive you know fastback style yeah well we were done with that car and i got a phone call from john crawley at utv guy and, he's, and uh, he says hey you know come meet me in glamis i want to you know we got something to check out so got the truck drove out there and we got to drive the very first production models of the four seat 900 uh, so i said you know i'm gonna wait and release the pictures of amber's car for a couple more days right yeah and um you know until polaris releases the four seater so polaris releases the four seater a couple days later and boom here we drop this car and everybody's like how did you guys already get one done yeah, um, and that kind of initiated that style of you know the lower back seats, that really low fastback style cage, um, and that's really where things started to take off. That design, uh, I think, was a real home run design, um, and uh, became really popular even to this day. I mean, it, it cracks me up how many people I see, you know, building cages that are still that style, you know. Uh, you know, five years later. So that's really when that's really, or actually, you know, eight years later, but that's really where things started to change for us as a business. Um, the, the nice thing was back then, you know, because of where the economy was here in the U S there wasn't a lot of people doing UTV or side-by-side stuff. I mean, we used to hear it all the time. You know, what are you doing? You'll never make money doing that. You're wasting your time, etc. And, um, you know, we just, we just stuck at it. Um, in 2014 to kind of get back to your question that's when i think that the industry really changed uh and the industry really kind of took off because the xp 1000 was such a capable car from where we were you know five years earlier with the rhinos and the terexes that that's when you know everybody started to come back into the sport you know and to where it is now i mean you've got you know, gosh, I, I, I don't think I could even count how many people are building parts for razors now or for side by side now. Yeah. Well, and I, I remember having a conversation during that sand show with Marcelo from Assault. And I said to yeah. him, I said to him, 
I don't think we've even seen a, a quarter where this industry is going to go. And here we're in 2019, and and uh, he looked at me like I was sideways when I said that. But I know we, we were talking a while back here, and and he said to me, he said, you know, I never realized that. <laughs> and here you guys yeah. are, you know, the off-road industry, especially the UTV industry, it, it was grown as a I call it as a family-oriented thing. And getting back to sure. your, when you were building cages and stuff for the rhinos, it was all about safety. Because you're right, yeah. a lot of people were like, "Wow, like I can actually go to work on Monday if I get in an accident, right?" And I think that's where the biggest thing it came from was, you know, I'll never forget the time when uh, when Players came out with the XP1000. Everybody was like just shocked because it was like a, a cheap man's trophy truck, I guess is what I call it. Um, yeah. And now, and then you got companies like you that are putting aluminum bodies on them and and winding them out and putting big tires you know and, and all this kind of stuff and, and and blinging them out and you guys are changing the industry to what it is now and like i said we're five years now and look at where we we've evolved in the last five years compared to when the rhino started you know yeah and and what's crazy is that you know i still don't think we're you know there's still so much more to come uh, I mean, realistically, when you look at it big picture, there's up until now, there's really only been two major manufacturers that even build a sport side by side. Yeah. Um, you know, with just with just basically, you know, uh, Can-Am and Polaris. You've got the Yamaha now. Yeah. Right. So that's another major manufacturer coming in. Honda's coming in with the Talon. Um you know Kawasaki's due to come out with a new model within the next year or so so I think over the next three or four years the progression is going to get even steeper yeah. and then there's the, there's the whole other side of the industry which is the Polaris General the Can-Am Defender the Polaris Ranger the Honda Pioneer Kawasaki still sells you know they still sell a tremendous amount of Terex yeah. models so there's that whole other side of it you know guys that are going into the mountains going into the the, you know the hills and trails and things like that that we don't see as much on the west coast yeah. but as a business you know we're starting to see more activity and more demand from those markets um, than anything else so you know from a business standpoint it's a super exciting time to be part of the industry and we're excited about what's coming next well that's because you know you look at a lot of your builds um, a lot of your builds are classified as what they call sand car right Right. There are a lot, and and I'm starting to see you know you're you're trying to you're trying to build to a lot of different realms, I guess. I know I've been seeing you've been kind of going that Baja pre-runner look on some of your builds now, and you're versatiling into different industries, and I think that's yeah. that's why it makes you on top. I feel, anyways, in a lot of ways. Yeah, right? yeah. You know that you know styles always change. That's for sure. Yep. Um, and it seems, at least in Southern California. <laughs> You know, over the last year or so, that that kind of pre-runner Baja style has become more prominent. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think it's because people are starting to realize that there's so many more places that they can go and so much more that they, that they can do other than just going to Glamis. Yeah. Um, you know, I for us, we, we never got into the race car thing. Um, you know, it was me personally. I'm I'm not a race guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd much rather go to Glamis or Akatia Wells or somewhere else and hang out with my buddies all weekend than go to a race. Yeah. Um, 
but um, and I'm not knocking racing. I think it's I think it's a really cool sport, but it's just never been my thing. So, as a business, we've always focused more on the recreational side. Yep. And um, you know, so it's you know styles change, but um, you know it. Uh, you know, with the cars that are coming out next year, it'll be interesting to see how those uh, how those styles, you know, kind of kind of morph into those new cars. Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing about it is, <clears throat> Tim, I remember seeing old pictures here a long time ago. You were actually building um, a Yamaha Rhino chassis that was like a full blown Baja kind of style, if I remember. And it did it have a Can Am? I think it had a Can Am. Can M eight hundred or something like that in it? No, it was a that that was um, if we're talking about the same one, that was a um, uh, it was a Rhino yeah. with a Can M with a with a Can M uh, motor in it, um, and um, we were we've done a couple things we over the years like we built a Rhino that we put a, um, a street bike motor in it. Yep. Um, We've done a we've done a couple kinds of those projects. To be honest with you, those projects usually turn out to be more work than they're worth. Yep. But um, <laughs> but they're fun to do from time to time. Yeah. Um, and um, we've got one in the shop right now that we're working on that I think is going to be pretty cool. Um, if we can if we can pull it off, um, we'll uh, I guess we'll see it at the Sandsport Show next year. Absolutely. I know we. I know I can't hardly wait. <laughs> yeah. You know. So and you know the. It's hard because the you know there's definitely that pressure there now to where every year you know people are kind of you know I don't want to say expecting but people are definitely coming by the booth to look and see you know hey what's the new car and um, you know last year we had Alvira there which personally is probably one of my favorite builds um, that one was uh, there was a lot that went into that car that was that, that that was really cool the story behind it is 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 a really cool story. Um, but uh, but this year, this year we're building a car from. I'm building a car from. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I I hope we can get it. Done. Well, that's good. Well, yeah, Casancho is literally what six, seven, six months away, <laughs> roughly. Yeah, something like that. We try not to. We, we try not to think about it in that in that. No, way, right? I don't blame you. Because it'll. It'll be one of those things where what the Sandsport shows six days yep. from now, and here you are busting that loose, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Out of all your, out of all the side by side that you've built, what is? Can you give us a couple of like your two favorites? Um, well, Christine would definitely be uh, one of my favorites because it was the first car that we built kind of at that yep. level, um, and um, and and really push the envelope with um you know the other car there's there's been a lot um but the other one would probably be um and that's a tough one uh there's just been so many um the other one would probably be the first 900 razor that we built for for our shop car Um, it was kind of our first like car that we went out and bought and built for sdr motorsports um it was a silver four seat 900 and we and we blanked out the back seats we built like a panel over the back seats I remember that um, one and made it kind of a made it kind of a kind of a t- long wheelbase two seater yep. um that uh that was a cool car we did some fun stuff with that car so um 
that would be it. Either that one or, you know, maybe the Black Force Eater that we did for our first episode of Destination Polaris. I remember that one. That was a fun car, too. Well, yeah. Was it 2015 or 2016 when you came out with where you guys actually put a a truck body on a, I think it was on a Razor chassis, wasn't it? Yeah, the TT Razor. I remember that one, yeah. Um, That was another one that we did with Glasscraft. Um, and um, again, that started off as a, cu- a, a conversation with a customer in Dubai, yep. and um, he he uh, he wanted to build a truck. So um, we we partnered up with Glasscraft and and built it. And you know that truck became <coughs> kind of more of a more of a more of a challenge than anything. Um, it was probably one of the hardest builds that we've ever done, um, and. Uh, it certainly took the longest. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, I look back on that car now and, you know, I probably, I'm probably more proud of the things that we learned um, as a business and as a builder yeah. um, than I am of, of the actual result. Um, kind of a cool caveat to that is that the, that, um, the guy that we originally started building for um, decided he didn't want it. Um, kind of halfway through the project so we did something else for him and um the guy that owns it now is actually uh here in california so the so so at the end of the day it ended, ended up staying here which is well that's good to hear so tim when when you when you look at a side by side are you the man that's behind that designs them and then basically t- the colors and wheels and tires and which cage style you want what doors and things like that and then you tell your guys to kind of build to what you're visionary Yes and no. I mean, you know, when when it comes to the design aspect of the of the of the parts, um, it's really kind of a team collaborative. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, it's 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 changed over the years. You know, I mean, we've had a lot of different guys, um, you know, help us work. You know, working for us and 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 doing some of the design and and prototype work. Um, so usually, what it is is, you know, when a new car comes out, we'll get one in the shop. Uh, I'm still kind of old school. I don't like to I don't like to design everything from the computer. I like to design it in real, you know, real scale. Yep. Um, that way we can see how it looks. We can get the lines right. Um, but um, you know, I'll work with my guys to get that right. Um, you know, I'm not gonna lie. They do all the heavy lifting. I just kind of walk out there every once in a while and talk about yep. it with them. Um, and um, once we once we kind of get a design that we like or or an aesthetic that we like then I turn them loose and let them do their thing. Um, you know, that's what they're, that's what they're good at. And, um, you know, more recently, um, you know, we've, we've invested in a lot of technology to be able to take, you know, that cage once we, once, once we get that design, right, we'll, we can take it, put it into SolidWorks, output it to CAD, you know, do the CNC bending, the laser notching, you know, and all that stuff. So, so that we can keep up with, uh, with the demand absolutely so tim what do you think that sdr is most recognized for what makes sdr what it is um i think that um as a as an industry leader um you know as as kind of an innovator um you know 
I I think that that our builds, the cars that we've built, are really um, what has gotten us to where um, and given us the opportunities that we've had. Yeah. So, um, but uh, you know, SDR stands for Sand Desert River. That's the that's what the three letters yeah. mean. And um, kind of our tagline has always been strength, safety, style built in to everything that we do. Um, you know, the strength of the product, the style of the product, you know, that's, you know, that's, those are the cornerstones. I mean, when we when there's so much more to designing a cage than some people think, you know, I mean, it's a lot more than just a couple of pieces of tubing welding, welded together. And, you know, quite honestly, you know, we look out there and I see some stuff where it's like, man, I, I hope that doesn't kill somebody. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, un- unfortunately, um, people, people try and design stuff that looks good, right? Yep. But it, uh, you know, it'd never hold together in, you know, 70 mile, 70 mile an hour end over end. And then there's some other stuff that to me looks absolutely hideous, but you know, it's built like a, you know, like a tank. So yep. at least it's safe. Um, so, so that's, uh, but that's what, that's, you know, that's kind of what we stand for. Absolutely. And that, that's the thing is I never realized what SDR ever stand for. I really never knew that. That's what it was. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, Sand Desert River is what uh, is what the letters stand for. And that's that's kind of because that's kind of our playgrounds. You know, we you know, we go to the sand, we go to the desert, we go to the yep. river. Um, you know, that's where that's where we that's where we take our UTVs to play. Absolutely. And that's the thing about so Tim, when 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 you seen the the RS one come out, um what was your first thoughts on the on the RS one? Uh, we were pretty excited about it. Um, personally, we we had heard about it a while before it came out. Um, originally, originally we had heard it was going to be called the Solo, and um, so we were pretty we were looking forward to it coming out, and we were fortunate enough to be able to get one of the first ones and um we just kind of threw everything at it um darn near shut the shop down for the next week and a half to build it and um it's a fun car to drive you know uh a lot of people knock it but you know it's um it's a pretty fun car to drive well because i I don't really know how to take the rs1 i do like the rs1 i think it's a great idea but I'm, I've always been used to a, a side-by-side, and I don't know how players can ever classify right. it as a side-by-side because considering it's not a side-by-side, right? Like, I always, I try to bounce this idea off of people, and a lot of people don't know what to say. Like, how can you call it a side-by-side when it's not really a side-by-side? Like, right? Well, you know, I guess you'd have to call it a UTV. That's, right? that, I guess um, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good, actually a good answer. I never even thought about it that way. A UTV. But the, it's, it's got side-by-side bloodlines yep. for sure. Um, you know, I mean, basically when you boil it down, it's, it's a, it's an XP 1000 um, that is a little narrower in the cabin, obviously. Yep. Um, and seven inches shorter on the wheelbase. Yep. Um, it uses most of the same parts. The the one thing I like about the RS1 is that the RS1 actually uses a lot of the drivetrain components that you see in the new Turbo S. Yep. Um, so the RS1 was actually the first one to have that that new front end with the new differential, um, which is a which is a, a much improved design over the standard one. Yeah. Um, so 
the, the thing's really well built and it was it was its intention was um racing um that that's what it was originally designed for from what i understand there was supposed to be a whole uh, a whole class built around it yeah um in in a in in a pretty big racing series that the whole thing kind of never materialized but um it uh i think it was rallycross oh yeah um, that it was gonna that it was gonna be part of um but um um but again it's a fun car to drive it it's a, it's a little weird at first because you know you're in the middle of the car right but once you get used to it it's actually a lot of fun because you can see the left and right front tires yeah so you can really be precise with you know where you place it and how you turn it and you know and getting it to do what you want it to do it's it, it, they're fun there they're uh they will surprise you absolutely so tim what um um, have you always, you've always kind of whatever I've seen, you, you, you've always built a lot of Polaris's, but I, I've been looking through your your Instagram and Facebook. Um, by the way, you should be proud of yourself. I think you're at, what, 54,000 followers now. And uh, yeah. it, it's incredible to, you could spend days on here scrolling through all the different cars and all the different sand cars, just everything that differently you've done. Um, right. What was your first thought about when the X3 came out? You know, to be quite honest with you, we were just excited to have something besides a razor. Um, you know, I, I, we 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 built we built so many razors over the years that just to have something different in the shop was 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 cool. Um, we went out and drove. We were invited um, uh, by Can Am out to Glamis to drive the car before it came out, and. Um, our first impressions when we left that day were you have got to be kidding <laughs> this this car is literally like cheating um i mean when we drove the xrs we were literally looking for stuff to try and run over yeah um to get the car to you know to to, to even be scary to drive and it, it was it was fast it handled amazing the suspension was out of control uh it was pretty impressive uh to to say the least um so now that we've had some time with it and kind of figured out, you know, what are its weak points? What, what is, what's good about it? What's bad about it? Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it's an interesting car and, and, you know, I would put the turbo S up against the XRS every day of the week. Yeah. Um, and it really boils down to which one, you know, which one you like sitting in, you know, on a spec sheet, they're pretty darn close. They are, yeah. Uh, for sure. But, uh, but what's cool is that it's given, it, it's given, you know, our customers and, you know, enthusiasts in, in, in the sport, a viable option other than just the yep. razor. Um, and, uh, and so it's created that competition, which is, which is good. And trust me, Can-Am nor, Can-Am nor Polaris are anywhere near done. I, I, I would I would assume you're right. I think that if we just hit the iceberg with these guys, right, yeah. on a lot of designing and, and and what they're doing, especially working with companies like you guys that are helping them develop a better side-by-side as it comes. Because, you know, you look at the Turbo S and it's got a lot of the features that a lot of people are bolting on aftermarket. Now it's coming out of the box. But you guys are still adding your little SDR twist to a lot of things. And it's just crazy to see in the last five years, I, I it's just exploding and I, I can't believe it. 
you know what how the industry is growing and i've had rumors of people telling me that eventually the side-by-side market will eventually die it'll become a fad and then it'll be like a trike and it'll just fade out and i always argue with people on that aspect because it's so family oriented yeah you know I, i i like to use um a couple of of rebuttals to that when people tell me that thing the, the that same type of thing um you know and the first one is you know look at a company like lone star yep. right um you know when lone star started building parts for quads 20 something years yep. ago i'm sure everybody told them it was a fad it you know it's a craze it'll it'll burn out you'll never make <laughs> a living doing this yep. um you know and here lone star is you know all those years later now transitioning to doing UTV stuff and they're still they're still a leader in the industry there you know and um so i think that that UTVs will definitely hit a high point um you know but but i don't think we've hit that high point yet and i think that even if it hit a high point this year right um we've got we've got you know 10 15 years of of uh before it's going to be replaced with something else yeah. um and um you know and that's the and that's the cool part of it is that you know UTVs may 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 wane in popularity at some point but that's only going to be because something else came along that's more fun or more enjoyable or more popular um so you know and we'll be ready for that when that happens. absolutely because you can see how it's so farming oriented because you guys build i think 10 four seaters to one single seater and it's so yeah. family oriented that's why i don't think it, it as history i don't think it will fade because it's too family oriented it just is yeah it's insane. yeah one you know a lot of people say that you know it's too expensive and this and that and, you know it's definitely a lot more expensive than it used Absolutely. to be but um you know i i look at it this way like you know if you take the personal watercraft or jet ski industry um that was really popular for a long time because they were cheap you know you can pick one up for 9 grand throw it in the back of your truck and you're on, you're on the water having a good yep. time and it got to a point where you know to put two jet skis on a trailer was 45 yep. grand and um and so it was really expensive the difference is you know because the personal watercraft industry almost went under i mean it was almost non-existent for a long yep. time and um the the reason why is because there was a boat industry kind of sitting there waiting going hey for another 50 bucks a month you can buy a boat and you can all go together yeah. i remember that well, days <laughs> yeah so so and and the utv is basically the boat to the quad which would be the personal watercraft where you have all these families where it's like all right so i got to buy five helmets five sets of boots five sets of gear I got to buy five sets of paddles. I got to buy five different quads of all different levels and then I've got to and then I've got to rotate them as the kids get older, right? Um or I can go buy one thing and we can all go together. Absolutely. Um so that's <coughs> I think what makes the UTV so popular is that it's just easier to to go and enjoy as a family, yeah. right? Um and uh you know and it gets everybody out together Absolutely. right instead of you know like when i grew up you know we had guys rides and then we had family rides yep. you know 
so you know the 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 adults or the dads of the group would go off for you know a couple hours at a time doing their thing because you know the kids and the moms and the rest of the family couldn't go because we're not fast yep. right well now the whole family can go on whatever kind of ride they want to go on because they're all in the same car so um i think uh I think that's one of the best things about it. Absolutely. So, Tim, let's let's get into one of your X3 builds called, was it uh, Delablo? Uh, yeah, it was uh, uh, Diabalo Rosa. There it is. Which, yep. is basically, which is basically Red Devil. Red Devil, yeah. I can believe that. <laughs> so, we wanted to do something that, that, that was, uh, that was my... Um, that was our shop car, right? Yeah. Um, I should I shouldn't say my personal car. That was our shop car, um, and we wanted to do something that kind of had a Ferrari look to it. Yeah. Um, the the crazy thing about that body um, was we had originally planned with Hector at Glasscraft. We had originally planned on doing that body on a Razor. Um, we had he had drawn it. He had all the, the all the renderings and everything. We were going to do it on a Razor. But instead, we did the truck. So that kind of just sat there for a while. And I called him one day and I said, hey, remember that body we talked about? He said, yeah. I said, dude, I think that would look perfect on the X3. Yeah. He agreed. We sent him the car um, and uh, and he got to work doing, you know, the magic that he does down there. And um, we, uh, you know, so that was kind of the, you know, the, the whole thing with the car. And uh, originally, we weren't sure what we were going to do with it and um you know just kind of as the plan goes it, it ended up being uh you know I, I think a pretty cool project and you know again one of my favorites for sure but uh um yeah that was a cool car so then let's talk about the new one that you just recently built um is that called tess tess yeah that um tess is a um it's a turbo s four-seater um, it's actually the first car that we that Polaris gave us um, to do a build with, yep. um, which which for us is kind of a really big deal. Absolutely, and, um, you know that they would trust us with with you know property like that. Um, obviously, we don't get to keep it forever. Yeah, um, we either need to give it back or buy it from them. Yeah, so um you know there's there it's not like we just get all these cars for free and get to do whatever we want right? <laughs> right um but um um that car was a fun car um we didn't have very long to build it we we got it at the sand sports show and i had to have it done by camp razor holy smokes so yeah that's about a that's about a three to four week turnaround time and um with what we wanted to do that was tough so we we definitely had to pull everybody together to, to make that thing happen and it was it was down to the wire so what what was your when you were building this side by side what was going through your head like why did you design the colors and th- throw the color scheme that you really want because i feel that it is very it's out there and i don't not in a bad way but in a, in a really good way because you basically took a turbo s the stock body and it just looks so heavily modified, but it's really not. It's just a lot of paint, right? But it looks, what you did there was astronomically awesome. So, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. What what the goal was with that car was to build something that not only did it look good, but it worked good. Yeah. Um, it was it it wasn't just a pretty car. Um, it was it was very functional, very to the point. Um, 
and the things that we did to accomplish that is we we put um you know we reached out to boondocker they sent us one of their dominator kits for it yeah um so we're running you know the high boost dominator turbo kit on it um we went we talked to omf omf uh and sandcraft had just come out with their 16 their 33 inch tall 16 inch tire yep so we wanted to do something like that omf has always been our go-to guys for the wheels mm-hmm. um so we had them design a set of custom one-off uh 16 inch wheels and we our goal was to make the wheels as light as possible so they had a set of of uh, of wheel hoops that were you know uh super light we built a center that was super light took kind of some of the the extras off of it that don't need to be there for for a sand tire yep. um so that kept them really light i mean literally the both rear wheel sand tires are lighter than like one omf wheel with a sand tires unlimited tire on it. so um yeah they're super light the front wheel and tire is like 16 pounds wow and that's a 16 inch wheel with a 33 inch tire that's crazy so yeah, so they're they're crazy light, and it makes a huge difference in in uh, in how the car handles. Um, and then we wanted to do stuff that was kind of subtle, and a few things that we hadn't done before, um, like the rear trunk. Um, you know, we had seen a lot of guys do, you know, like a rear bed cover kind of kind of deal, um, and uh, we wanted to put our own spin on it, um, which I think came out really nice. Um, that's cut probably one of my favorite things of, about that car. Um, and then um, we, we, we had some new parts that we had been working on for the Turbo S, um, the front bumper, um, and, uh, and a few other things. So as far as the color goes, um, you know, the color, the credit for the color goes to, goes to the people at Wolf Design. Yep. Um, I mean, those guys are so good at that part of it, you know? Um, and... Um, I originally wanted to do the car in um, an Audi Nardo gray or a, you know, a Toyota cement gray yeah. um, and Porsche Miami blue. I really like those colors. I think those colors are subtle, but go together well. Yeah. Um, and that was the original design. And um, it, when I talked to Amy at Wolf, she said, look, I've got this, this new material, these new colors that we can print that we are dying to do something with. And I said, well, you know what? I I, I, I always trust you guys. Um, print out some samples and send them to me and let's see where we're at. Because one of the biggest challenges with that is that it gets really hard sometimes to match powder coat color, seat color, and graphic colors to make it work. Yeah. Um, you know, because you can print some pretty wild colors, but you're limited on your material or your powder coat. So yeah. um, get, getting everything to match can be a challenge. So uh, when she sent me these samples, we took them outside and it was like, you gotta be kidding me. This is, this is crazy. Um, so we went with it and then we had sent all the plastics to Mad Melvin Motorsports out in uh, Arizona, um, JM Collision. So they were ready to paint all the plastics, uh, and they're right by Wolf. So they, they coordinated together to get this color just right. And, um, you know, they, so again, they, you know, those guys did all the heavy lifting with that. And um, we uh, we sent we actually we actually sent the car out to Arizona, uh, put all the plastics on it at um, at JM, and then drove it over to Wolf the next day for them to put the vinyl on it. Yeah, and then brought it back to the shop for a final assembly. So that was uh, 
that was a fun car. Absolutely, and it didn't really give you a lot of time frame, did it? No, no, <laughs> no. We were we were hustling on that one, but but we got it done. I mean, you know, that's the one thing about our guys is that you know when 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 push comes to shove, they make stuff happen. Absolutely. So. Tim, we know what you've done as a company, and do you want to give our listeners and our viewers about what SDR, what's available at SDR for parts and and things like that? Uh, the best thing to do is you know check out our Instagram page um, if you're not already following us. Um, you know at at SDR Motorsports. Um, check out our website. There's a lot of stuff there. Uh, you can go on our Facebook page, get some more information about us, or just give us a call. Um, you know, we, we, we love talking side by sides. Uh, all of our all of our guys are all enthusiasts. They all go out on the weekends and go riding like like everybody else. So, you know, give us a call. We, 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 we like to talk about our stuff and what's out there and, you know, what we think works and doesn't work. And, you know, we'll get you dialed in. Absolutely. So, Tim, now looking back 10 years, do you do you sit in your chair in your office once in a while and, and pinch yourself to see if you could wake up, if it's just a dream or did you ever think that SDR in 10 years would be where it is right now? No. Um, when we first started, it was, it was, uh, me, my, she was my girlfriend at the time. She's my wife now, Stephanie. Um, it was me, her, and one other guy in the garage. And between me and his name was Jeff between me and Jeff, we welded every cage. We bolted every product on, you know, I did all of the aluminum work, all the panels and the roofs and everything else. So, you know, to go from there to where we are today has been, you know, it's been, it's been one heck of a journey. Um, you know, it's had its goods and its bads. But when I look at where we are today, I probably more than reminiscing about the past or pinching myself to, to make sure it's real. I'm more excited about where we're going, where we're headed, where the, what, what the future is. Um, than than anything else i mean we just we just uh received um our a new laser um so we can start processing all of you know a lot of our parts in-house so we can actually build everything right there um so that's a that's a huge step for us um and it's gonna allow us to come out with a ton of products that we've been wanting to do um so you know, I'm probably more excited about the future and pinch myself like, man, is, is, is the is the future real, you know, than, uh, than the past. Absolutely. So, everybody, I was just looking on SDR's Instagram and it says industry leading UTV products and custom builds. I totally agree with Tim and that's why I wanted to bring Tim on Side by Side Dirt because I still think it's missing. It should be the God, one of the godfathers of the industry. But... <laughs> I, it was such a, I knew that Tim had a good story because I've heard different stories about Tim and now I really know the truth about Tim and what SDR is all about. And it's crazy to see, like I said, after almost well over 10 years, I think he still has to pinch himself. To, he doesn't realize what's completely going on all the time. And if you, you check out their Instagram page, you can see it looks like thousands of side-by-sides they've built and and i think that if you go into the future you're going to see them going into a whole different realm of different things and like tim was just saying there's there's so many different industries especially in the utv industry that hasn't been really touched or been focused on and i I can't hardly wait to see the future of, of sdr 
I would like to say say thanks to Tim from SDR. Um, I've been trying to reach out to him for a while. And I think we're on episode, uh, this will be actually episode 17, I think. We're at 17 episodes and we got one of the industry's biggest leaders um, on the podcast. And for everybody, I want everybody to realize this is one of the only side-by-side sign, uh, podcasts available. And thanks, Tim, for coming on and, and telling your story. Um, hopefully, we can get you on the future some side-by-side sure. episodes and we can really sit down and I know I'm super excited to know about what's happening but guess mm-hmm. what the sand show because I always talk about the sand show all the time and uh, I can't wait to see what you got coming out and uh, yeah. is there Tim one thing that we do on side-by-side dirt is we do a, a shout out so is there anybody mm-hmm. that you think possible that you know would like to come on side-by-side dirt and tell their story Oh man, um, you know I think you should get Joey on. Um, I think uh, I think Joey D needs to come on side by side dirt and um, and uh, you know tell you his story, the story of UTV Underground and where he's at now at Floral Parts. I think your listeners would love to hear that story. It's a, it's a good one. He's he's a solid dude for sure. Um, but um, you know before we before we jump off here, I just wanted to say that you know. I appreciate what you say, you know, um, I appreciate all the compliments for sure. Um, there's a lot of guys out there that I have a tremendous amount of respect for that do, you know, a lot of people would say that they're competitors. Um, but, um, I think that, you know, we all kind of help push each other, um, to keep getting better at what we do. Um, and, um, you know, to those guys, uh, you know, I, I, I just thank them for keeping me on, on, on my toes and, keep pushing me like you know Doug at TMW he's always been a huge influence to me you know he's been around you know as long as we have if not longer um you know he was one of the original guys over there at TMW off-road two out in Arizona so and there's a bunch of other guys and then you know for me you know if I could throw some shout outs to my guys if you don't mind absolutely um over the last couple of years we've really you know uh, focused on building a dealer network of people who sell our products nationwide and you know to all those guys that are out there that you know represent our brand and sell our stuff and you know preach preach SDR cartel all the time you know thank you to those guys um, you know they're they're on our Instagram all the time so check them out Concord Polaris in, in Concord California you know obviously all your floral parts stores uh, nine star out in Arizona there's a lot of guys out there that uh that really help us out combustion in utah um those guys you know over the last couple of years have taken over online stuff and are killing it so uh check those guys out too i link them all the time in in uh, in, in our instagram and uh one of the things about our instagram page that i i like if you scroll through there you won't see the same cars over and over and over again you know um almost there's almost no repeats of any of the cars on there and um you know, we haven't paid for any of the followers that follow us. Um, you know, they're all there because they like our stuff. So thank you to you. Thank you to all your listeners. And um, we're looking forward to the future. So stay tuned. Thanks a lot, Tim, for coming on Side by Side Dirt. Everybody, you heard it. It's Tim. This is 100% raw. And Tim, thanks a lot for being on this. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for you. You got it, man. I'll talk to you thanks, soon. Thanks, Tim. Bye. Bye. 
What's up, guys? This is Jason Hess, the co-host of Side by Side Dirt. Well, there you have it. Episode 17, The Godfather with Tim over at SDR. Sheldon knocked this one out of the park, guys. Uh, be sure to share this with a friend. Put it on your social media. We look forward to the next round, guys. Thanks for joining us at Side by Side Dirt. Side by Side Dirt. The podcast is available on Anchor, Google Podcast, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher, and coming soon to iTunes.